0: 52 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And I'm willa Rowe. And this week we are tired. <laughs> yeah, somebody t- couldn't remember what episode this was. <laughs> yep. Very much thought that it was uh only our fifty first episode, which was last week. How could you forget? We talked
1: about all of Resident Evil. I know. My god the energy is off.
0: I'm yeah, listen, I'm out of I'm I'm not I'm not mentally here today.
1: <laughs> it's so different than usual.
0: It is different from usual. Normally I'm I'm just scatterbrained. Mm-hmm. This week I'm uh just feeling burned out. I guess okay, I do I do want to very quickly at the top of the show if you haven't like looked at our um show notes The past couple of weeks, I've been putting a link in there to donate to Medical Aid for Palestinians, along with like a very short statement on what I, you know, is is both of our feelings on the thing, which is like, as has become abundantly clear in the past couple of weeks, this is not an issue in which there is any uh, complexity. This is a genocide and we obviously stand against that. Like it's, it's something that's been going on for literally like 75 fucking years. So it's not like this is something new, but obviously this is a huge escalation. So we are recording like after you know two weeks of this being like the big thing that's been happening in the news, and we're I think probably I can speak for both of us when I say that like we don't necessarily have much uh, of use to add like uh, beyond what's already being said. Neither of us are like experts in what's going on there, which is not to say that like we shouldn't speak up, but just that like I think the best thing that either of us can do is. Amplify other people's voices who do know what the fuck is going on and like share resources for, you know, how uh, to of ways that people like us who are like watching this unfold and feeling somewhat helpless can can do about it. So I don't know. I just kind of want to address that at the top. I'll try to find some other resources to add to the show notes Mm -hmm. this time, because obviously things have escalated to the point where even medical aid is. Probably not getting through, um, and so it may make sense to shift some of your energy toward uh, yelling at your representatives, uh, and you know, letting them know that like people are paying attention and not going to let this slide.
1: Yeah, definitely. Just like if you have the ability, keep posting about it, keep talking about it. Um, if you're able to uh, and you feel safe, go to protests. If there are protests happening near you. Um, as far as resources that I would love to, or in other organizations I would love to shout out, I've been retweeting their stuff a bunch on our Twitter, uh, like the Girl Mode Twitter, but Game Assist has been doing a lot of great stuff. They have a lot of incredible resources on this, and they've also been doing streams to raise more aid. Um, you can also go check them out, uh, but there's plenty of stuff that you can be doing. Yes.
0: And if you feel like you can't, you know, do anything, just keep... Retweeting other people, keep sharing what's going on. If you feel like you are not educated enough about it, I think that's a cop out at this point. Like, stop lying to yourself. Um, it's you don't need to be a fucking scholar on the Middle East to see a genocide when it's happening. Also, uh, at this
1: point, there's enough resources out there for you to educate yourself.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I you know, I suspect anyone who's uh, regularly listening to this podcast by two weird trans girls talking about this shit, you're probably not, um, you're probably more likely not to already be on the, the side of the Palestinians. Cause you know, all of these things are wrapped up together and people who are, uh, against people who are pro colonization are probably not also pro listening to trans girls talk about things. So, um, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of just wanted to address that for the fact of like, it feels weird not to talk about. And it's a big mm-hmm. uh, factor of why we're both feeling uh, out of our minds today. Um, so when I trail off in the middle of sentences this week, it's not just because my brain is full of holes. It's because, uh, you know, it's it's difficult to focus in. Yeah. Just the middle of this like absolute catastrophe. So I was going to like bring that up at the end of the show, but for whatever reason, I just felt like getting it off my chest now. But that does make it feel somewhat impossible to transition to our actual topic. (laughs) Um, The other reason we're so tired.
1: Yeah, the other reason we're so tired is that it is starting to be Game Awards season. And as since we both work for Inverse, which is a part of the voting body for the Game Awards, we are like getting a bunch of codes right now and playing like a million games that have come out this year that we didn't have time for and just trying to play all of them as much as possible (laughs) before we have to vote. So we have been playing so many games. uh, So (laughs) we were just like, yeah, let's talk about all these games that we're playing Mm -hmm. um, and what we've been thinking about them in brief because I don't know about you, you, the thing that, I mean, I do know a little bit cause you know, we talk outside of this, but, um, the, the thing that I've been doing is, you know, I have like a bunch of codes and I'm like, I have essentially a weekend to try to play as many of these as possible on top of the fact that we're both reviewing games. Yes. And I'm like, okay, so what I can do is I can put aside, like, I'm going to try to play a game for an hour and just kind of get a gist of it and then move on to another thing because I can't spend too much time or I'll never get through like a fraction of these.
0: Yeah, my last couple of days have been spent splitting between like a thing I have a deadline on in like two days and things that I have to vote on in like two days. Um, Mm -hmm. I also feel to some degree, not to say that you aren't, like this isn't a, a busy time for you, but I feel like having been not doing this job for the better part of this year i feel like at a major disadvantage at this point because i haven't been playing many games or like getting like like i feel like a lot of stuff that you've wanted to play you've played and now you're kind of catching up on like what the other sort of contenders are even the things that i have most wanted to play this year i've not played and i've so i've been kind of like getting this deluge of codes and trying to balance like well, I really want to play more of this game, but I need to also play like the things that are going to be its competitors for the, the vote. Yeah.
1: All to say, we would both love to be playing more Baldur's Gate 3 and hanging out with Carlac or Shadowheart, uh, but we can't.
0: Alas, we can't. Much to our dismay. Maybe one day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, moving to what we have been playing, I don't know, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with kind of the the big one on this list? Or start...
1: Yeah, sure. We can start with the big one. So Alan Wake 2 has recently come out, and that was a very big title. It's been getting a lot of praise, and we have both put time into it. This is probably, for me, the game that I put the most time into out of any codes I've gotten, which maybe I shouldn't have done because I need to play other games. But, I mean, my initial impression is that I am very much liking this game. Like, I'm further along than you. I played... um. I played it for like four hours in one sitting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I probably only played like an hour, maybe two, but yeah.
1: Yeah, because you, you got you got to the first like scary thing uh-huh. and just gave up.
0: Well, I didn't give up. I did it. Like I I did the encounter and then I was like, okay. And then you stopped. Time for a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, a break for at least
1: a couple of entire days. The thing I don't like about this game is there's so many jump scares in it, but it's like, yeah, there are. And here's what I mean. There are like, but it's not like a jump scare in a regular horror game where it's like an enemy jumps out. You'll just be walking and then the screen will just flash with this like scary thing, which I don't find fair (laughs) because I can't anticipate it. It just happens. Uh Uh-huh. The first time it happened I had to pause the game. And I was like, "Oh, I need to catch my breath."
0: Yeah. It's like the video um, you know, kind of double exposed f- mm-hmm. video thing that uh Control did a lot. Uh but yeah. here it's it's deployed for uh evil purposes.
1: I will say I was th- I was thinking about this as I was playing it. Um the the blending of like live action footage and the game itself i think is done way better in this game than in control i think in control there are places where it looked a little janky and it mm-hmm. they they cl- i don't think they had figured it out but so far whenever they're like melding the live action into alan wake 2 i feel like it's been done really well
0: yeah yeah i've only seen like a tiny bit of that but yeah it was really well done um i will say though the like Characters being modeled after their voice
1: actors thing still freaks me out. Well, no, here's the thing, though. They're not modeled after their voice actors. To some... I mean, there's a couple that I the, think The are. voice actor for Alan Wake is not the model for Alan Wake. And for example, Sam Lake is the visual model for Alex Casey. Yeah. But he is not the voice of Alex yeah, Casey. Yeah, that's true. I guess, yeah, I just...
0: Them being modeled after, like, seeing Sam Lake in the game is weird. There was also a character, one of the sheriffs is definitely supposed to look like his oh, voice uh, actor. Sean Ashmore. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That and one it's... is, That one is. he looks like him and he is the voice. Yes,
0: okay. Mm-hmm. Well, whichever configuration it is, it, it freaks me out.
1: I was so happy when Sean Ashmore showed up because <laughs> Zoe and I were just like, oh my god, that's Iceman, that's Bobby Drake. That's, uh jake i think from the Animorphs, is that his name <laughs> i don't know i will say you haven't gotten to this part really because i've i'm further than you but eventually you'll get to parts that are there's like way larger live action sections hmm. and there becomes this really weird so like something i really like about alan wake 2 so far is that it's super meta in a way that i think is good like there's so much going on with the idea of like storytelling and this being a story and then also metatextually understanding that this is a game and there's so much going on and it really like comes into its own when Alan does show up because the first like two hours you play are just as the new character Saga Anderson and it's a very much like it's very much like by the books like mystery Murder story. It's very much Twin Peaks, obviously, but it's just oh, murder happened. We're going to go investigate it. And there's some cult shit going on, and it's like spooky, but there's nothing crazily exceptional about it. Mm-hmm. You you start to get hints, but like once Alan shows up, the game like really starts going like all in, and I think that's really cool. But there become there start to be sections that are like fully live like live action. And it gets so weird because it plays into this Uncanny Valley thing of when you're playing the game, Alan Wake is voiced by somebody, but he's modeled off of a real actor. And then when you get to the live action stuff, it's the facial model for Alan Wake who's playing Alan Wake, but now he's also voicing Alan Wake. Uh So it's slightly different.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but then there are weird. even
1: sections where they'll show the live action footage, but they'll still have the voice actor dub over it. That's cool. It gets really freaky, and it's—I'm kind of in love with it.
0: Yeah, I haven't gotten to any of this stuff yet. I'm—I'm I'm still in the the opening section when you play as Saga, so I haven't had quite the experience you have at this point. It's you know, I'm—it's enjoyable, but it's—it's it's like it's a type of game that I don't really play and it's not my favorite so i'm just <laughs> at this point kind of waiting for the weird
1: stuff that might hook me to kick in i think you'll get there and i'm hoping that like both of us are able to play more of this it did make me think about one of the other games that i was playing which is i played resident evil 4 a bit um specifically i also played some of separate ways which is the ada wong dlc and the thing about resident evil 4 is like Obviously, it's good. It's just Resident Evil 4 kind of updated and it looks pretty. But my whole thing is like for me personally, I've never been a big Resident Evil 4 fan because I like the Resident Evil franchise when it is much more focused on horror and exploration and like puzzle solving. And 4 is just very much just like an action game. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing it and I was like, yeah, it is just an action game. And then meanwhile, I can play Alan Wake and there are parts of the game that are much more feel kind of like traditionally like horror-y, especially when you do, again, get to Alan's stuff. Alan's like gameplay has a little bit more fun things going on. Uh, So I like that as Mm -hmm. as someone who does like horror games. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Yeah, that's the problem is I I hear all these things and I really want to play it. But I know my little heart is going to start beating out of my chest when I get there.
1: Should I just stream it to you? We could do that.
0: That is an option.
1: That way you don't have to be as scared because you don't have to be
0: alone. It'll just be. Yeah, that's true. I'll have your Mm. comforting presence there with me. Uh
1: Why you you say that like you're being facetious.
0: I don't know why you would think that. Um <laughs> how dare you.
1: <laughs> what I else guess have you been playing? Well,
0: before we leave Alan Wake, okay. maybe this is where we talk about the like the thing that's been also surrounding Alan Wake is a discussion about how much it runs like shit on PC.
1: Oh god, yeah. Which which we are both playing it on PC. Mm-hmm. And so I am for contacts because I think this is like important for the conversation i have a amd what is it like a 5700 xt as my gpu Mm -hmm. which is the same generation as like the 2000 series of of nvidia graphics so it's like two generations ago Mm -hmm. because we're currently on like the 400 of nvidia i think and i don't have a problem running any games on my pc uh like i mean i i just played assassin's creed mirage i reviewed that fine no problems on pc like every game i get i pretty much review it on pc and i have no issues this game (laughs) i loaded it up and i started it and i got a dialogue box and i (laughs) i wonder if you got the same one but it was essentially like your graphics card doesn't have like the recommended like features that you need so if you play it this game might run like shit
0: I didn't get that. I, I think what that was actually what that was referring to was because I have an NVIDIA card. We have uh. I think we have basically identical setups, like mm-hmm. as far as like gen like how old things are and like the sort of you know specs of them. So I think I have essentially like the NVIDIA equivalent of your card. So it didn't mm-hmm. pop up and tell me that. I think because there's like ray tracing stuff that's probably tied uh-huh. to NVIDIA yeah. cards, but it did like auto set everything to like the lowest. Mm-hmm possible settings which is something that like doesn't really happen like it almost every game like auto detects itself to like high settings
1: and the issue for me is that like it's interesting because the low settings still look fairly good like i'm not seeing any issues the only the only like time i can see that it's running low is when i'm in Areas that have like really high concentration of details, like there, there's a section of the game where you're surrounded by like all these buildings that have like a shit ton of graffiti all over them. Mm -hmm. And when I was playing through all the graffiti was just pixelated to hell because (laughs) it was just like, we just can't render that.
0: Yeah. But like, I don't know the models you,
1: look good still,
0: yeah, I think it looks great. I mean it looks it looks excellent like even on the other settings um I don't know if you've had this, but something that I've noticed is if I like turn the camera, it will leave like a ghost of my character. Have you noticed oh, this at I all? haven't noticed this so when I turn you know like the character is like in a different position on the screen, but there will mm-hmm. be sort of a trail behind her of like like just for a second like as it kind of catches up, which yeah. is very strange. But yeah, I don't know. It's I, there has been a little bit of discussion around this, particularly around the idea of like there was a sh- you know a shitty comment on Twitter uh, about like basically people being like oh well you shouldn't expect to be able to play a modern game on older hardware anyway so like you have no right to complain if you know if you have that and it's not running well on you well on your mm-hmm. your machine and. Obviously that sucks. I think the the most like succinct way that it's been put was Sam Greer tweeted, um of of genuine uh generally very good opinions sam greer uh <laughs> tweeted re alan wake to graphics chat it's just another instance where whenever a conversation comes up about the ludicrous cost of this hobby the whole middle class contingent of the industry has got to march out to defend the sanctity of retail prices and conflict minerals and i, I don't know i think that's a real thing that we see a lot like there was this like A similar kind of thing came up around like the, this current generation of hardware. Like there was talk of raising a lot of game prices to $70 and there was like, people put so much effort into defending the idea that like companies need to charge $70 to like be able to afford making games, which like this tweet is saying, like it doesn't, there are, there's so many people who are like priced out of gaming entirely and defending a price increase on what's already a ludicrously expensive hobby, because technically, if you adjust for inflation, you know, this is actually not a bad price or developers need to increase these prices to to catch up with their own ballooning budgets. It's like, that doesn't take into account the like actual reality of the fact that we are living in, in like a time that's like globally, like economically unstable. And a lot of people can't afford to do this. And it, I don't know, it just, it, it boggles my mind how much people jump in the line of fire to like defend mm-hmm. the the practices of corporations rather than considering their like other people who can't afford to do this thing anymore and also the point of like forcing people to upgrade hardware and shit is like catastrophic in terms of the environment like the it is not a a neutral act to throw away old hardware and buy new stuff like the the shit that is in computer components is extremely harmful to extract and if we normalize this idea that you need to constantly upgrade your shit to keep up with with games like it's i don't know it's like far from the biggest contributor to like any kind of environmental problems that are going on right now but it's like if we have this entire like sector of of people who are just, like, not even thinking about the impact that those choices have, it's, like, I mean, it can only make things worse, you know?
1: I mean, yeah, I think um, the environmental cost of gaming needs to be reckoned with, like, even more as, you know, years go on, because this is just a problem that's growing bigger. And it reminds me of a piece that you actually just um, wrote recently, where you were talking about uh, Salt Sea Chronicles. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, Because Salt Sea Chronicles, uh, this you know indie game that you will talk about uh it put out a what was it it was like a report on the like f- the footprint of their development
0: yeah so i wrote like um something that sits between a review and an opinion on salt sea chronicles uh i was also tr- i was working on a piece that is probably now being shelved so the developers of Salt sea Chronicles commissioned a climate impact report on the development process of their game, where they had uh, an environmental researcher basically study. So the thing is, they took extremely detailed notes of everything during the development process of people, whether people were working from home or commuting to the office, any flights that they had to take, like energy costs, things like that. And this researcher used that data to... Basically, project the the environmental cost of this game's development, and also offer some advice on how the studio in particular could cut down further on its its climate impact. Because you know, it, it, across the industry, things are very dire in that sense. Like, there's a huge climate cost, and because the developer of Salt Sea Chronicles is a rather small indie studio that actually positions them really well to be able to make these changes. It's not like this massive corporate structure with thousands of people that needs to change. It's a studio with like 20 people or whatever. They're in a position where they can kind of very, you know, hands-on way uh, make these changes that can improve their environmental footprint. So I was working on a piece where I was trying to get other developers on the record of like what their practices were and what their thoughts were. My suspicion is that very few studios are even tracking any of this, let alone thinking about the impact. And no one wants to go on record saying that, obviously. So it's halted, if not abandoned at this point. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's something that's like, it's good to see this studio thinking about that, particularly given the, like, themes of their game but also like very disheartening to see that it's not happening elsewhere in the space
1: and before we kind of like move on from this conversation talk more about some of the other games it kind of touches on another thing which was i wrote about yes
0: i was gonna bring this up too
1: yeah which is this obsession with graphical fidelity that is very much part of this conversation about like why we need more you know expensive and better hardware Uh, Which is that I was talking about it with Spider Man 2 and the fact that people are like, Spider Man 2 looks so good. And I kind of talked about, well, if you look at Spider Man 2 versus Spider Man on PS4, there are incremental improvements, but it's something you can only see when you're really like looking over it with a fine tooth comb. Basically, one of my biggest points was I don't think this obsession with graphical fidelity makes sense, especially when going to the the inevitable conclusion of this argument for graphical fidelity we will get to a point where a video game looks as good as real life and then what do you do next where do you go from there you don't really have anywhere to go because you focused so much on photorealism rather than like interesting artistic design and you kind of are locking developers away from being able to make interesting choices by having to pursue photorealism. And it's also a pursuit that will eventually go nowhere Mm because it will just end. There is a finite end to that pursuit as opposed to unique art design, which typically holds out better over time. Like I I mentioned Wind Waker, which is a famous example of. Wind Waker was a bold thing to do because it was like, why are they doing this weird art style? But also... You know, years later, everybody's like, Wind Waker holds up so well because it looks so good because of that unique art style. Mm -hmm. You know, even this year, the games that come to mind first as being the most interesting are games that had interesting art design and interesting aesthetics rather than photorealism. I just think that's part of the discussion in a way of like, why even are we doing this for better graphics when that's kind of a, a fool's you know, errand.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the, even the way we talk about it, you know, we talk about games as having better or worse graphics, where I think that like really emphasizes the, the technological aspect over the artistic aspect. Like we want better graphics, not more interesting art styles. And I think that's a, yeah, I mean, that's a huge problem. Like it's both from like the artistic side of having a better, like, you know, having a more interesting art style is just more appealing to look at but also to this problem of it it's obviously takes a lot less rendering power to 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 display something like salt sea chronicles which is an incredible looking game there's like nothing else that looks like it uh, and it looks amazing and it's easier for a machine to render that than it is to do something like alan wake which looks good but doesn't The interesting things about it are those like those effects, those video effects, those aesthetic choices, not the fact that it looks more photorealistic than the last one did like that shit. You can just toss out the window. Like if you if you have interesting ideas on how to make a game look, there's literally no reason to include like photorealism or more fucking polygons in that. Like that's such a it just feels like so much wasted energy, both in terms of like human energy going into making it and literally the energy that it takes to produce and run those games
1: so do you want to talk a little bit about salt sea chronicles actually, let's talk then? about
0: something that won't work <laughs> me up even more this fucking week jesus christ um
1: <clears throat> okay give me a game and i'll tell you about it
0: <laughs> yeah tell me about tell me what you're about your time with video verse because i played a little bit of this during next fest and i don't think you mm-hmm. ever played the demo i did you have dived into the actual game now and i'm curious about how you're how you're liking it.
1: Yeah, I played a couple hours of it. And essentially, for those who don't know, the whole premise is you're basically a kid who has this console called the shark is what it's called. But it's kind of this like weird console that's semi online and it gives, you know, the player access to games, but also like internet forums to talk with other players. And it's basically a game about exploring this digital space and the community that is there uh through like messaging other players posting on you know forum boards and uh essentially it's about you trying to be good at art you like you do art for games that you like and then you start connecting with another artist um it reminds me a lot of this game that i mentioned to you uh called sybil uh, which is about the developer's personal like experience playing final fantasy 11 there's something i really love about games like this kind of dealing with the idea of digital space and the the idea of video games and the community around them and what it, what happens when it's dying because also like in the game the shark is basically kind of like coming out of vogue and the company that makes it is trying to get everybody to buy the new console And so everybody even on the forum boards when you're playing the game is like, oh, are you guys like going to be switching over to the new console? It seems like this place is kind of dying. They're not going to support it anymore. The next like big game in this series is only going to be for the next console. I like it a lot. It's, it's really engaging. I think it's not as well written as other more text forward games that I've played this year. Um, but it, it's charming enough that I want to spend more time in this world. I feel like I probably won't play more of it before the end of the year, though. But I like it. I like this type of game and I like that it's doing something like I really like games where you're kind of just like exploring a space that's not just running around shooting things. It's more it's almost like digital Anthropology, almost. Sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah I agree that the, the writing is a bit clunky sometimes. Um, I, I'm curious. Like, does this this thing of like these old gaming forums and stuff is this? Had did
1: you have that experience as a kid? Like, not really. And I think there's multiple things of it. One is I just like I'm very anti. I was always very antisocial.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: and this is like a thing of like I've always been bad at being social online also like even when I was playing World of Warcraft I think I didn't play that game too much because I just didn't talk to people so I never mm-hmm. had the forum experience really yeah um so yeah there is something about that where it's like I don't fully have that personal connection to it
0: yeah I was curious about that cuz um it's again one of the the weird ways that our the difference in our ages shows up where like this was like what the internet was when I had the, you know, first had the internet, like there was no social media. Like the thing that you did, it was basically like post on forums and stuff. So playing this demo did make me like, pretty nostalgic for that kind of thing. Like, like I was thinking back to like friends that I had on like role-playing forums and stuff and like people like, you know, other posters who I like had a crush on and stuff. I like, it was interesting the ways that you built these weird little communities. And yeah, I don't know. It did kind of get me introspective about that idea because this is about one of those communities coming to an end and just thinking about like all of those places that I spent so much time, like talking to people who I never really knew anything about and then you all just kind of disappear from each other's lives i don't know yeah it's fascinating i think yeah i think thinking of it in that way is about uh like digital anthropology like you were saying is very interesting because it's like a document of this this culture that only existed online and is maybe now like just gone forever it's a really fascinating thing to explore i think
1: yeah it reminds me a lot of um There was some great writing by Harper J when they were back at Kotaku about Star Wars, the old Republic Mm -hmm. and kind of that MMO kind of dying out because for Harper, it was like a very integral part of their community and like learning how to understand queerness and identity and all that. They have a really good article about revisiting the game, like years later like a decade later basically and kind of being like oh techn- my character is still associ- associated with like my guild or whatever and they just pull up like their guild list and it's just like empty because like everybody's gone now some really interesting stuff I'm gonna see if I can find the article and I'll like send it to you later but uh oh, cool. yeah I I'm I'm kind of obsessed with the like concept of the death of digital spaces same very much
0: same that's
1: why I I want to play
0: Final Fantasy XI with you.
1: <laughs> we should. When I tried playing it, it was such a pain in the ass, though. Uh, yeah, me too. Just to set too. up. Oh, but my God. But then this was
0: also, like, even... Um, I mean, I played it, like, when it was, like, new-ish, and wasn't like playing with it. It's like, it, it was impossible to play on your own back then. And I, I mean, I also like, obviously I'm like kind of basically a hermit. Like I, I don't like talking to people for the most part. And so, yeah, I like didn't, I was like trying to play this explicitly multiplayer game on my own, but I don't know. I, um, I, I wrote like a retrospective on it, uh, this week. Cause it's like about to come up on its anniversary and also, like, Final Fantasy XIV just announced, like, the a raid series that's based on the old game, so it felt, like, worth revisiting. And reading about it was, like, so fascinating. Like, I think that the most interesting thing that I read for this piece that I was writing was actually, like, a, an academic paper that was presented at the Meaningful Play Conference in 2018. Uh, it's by this researcher named Nicholas, Nicholas Lalone, I think. Uh, and the paper is called, like, The Decline of Sociability in MMORPGs. And it was this idea of like the way that Final Fantasy 11 was designed explicitly encouraged pro-social behavior and kind of like prevented a toxic culture from forming because you were required to work with people, not just in the way that you are often in, in games like Final Fantasy 14, where you can just go in the duty finder and like pull up an automatic party like that stuff didn't exist. You had to like talk to other players, you had to, you know, make sure that you were like using had the right skills and builds and stuff there were points where you would have to like trade with other people to get the right equipment and that required like this degree of trust there were all these systems built in there that made it so that like people were forming a community rather than just like playing alongside each other and as the game introduced more convenience and like quality of life features to make it easier to group up together or to play on your own it actually kind of broke down some of those things that were preventing the toxic culture from forming because you didn't need to rely on kind of the the help of other people quite as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. I just found that so fascinating. Like it's another aspect of these like online cultures that I think are so so interesting. The ways that they're designed can encourage or discourage like pro social behavior versus antisocial behavior. I don't know. I've gone way off track, but that was just what I was thinking about this week.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um why don't you tell me about some of the games you've been playing? Yeah. Any anyone you want to hear me talk about in particular? Trying to pick out a game that I haven't played. Actually, no. Tell me about what your thoughts on Banished Vault are. Because I played a bit of this game and I immediately was like, oh, this is Robin's gonna love this game. Uh,
0: how much of this did you play, actually?
1: Uh I think I played about two hours.
0: Okay. That's still probably a little more than I played, just because I've been like <laughs> speed running all this shit. But um uh it's a game that is published by uh like an basically Bithle Games, which made uh games like Tron Identity, which I know that you loved mm-hmm. and uh, Subsurface Circular a game that I loved uh, they've sort of this like publishing imprint that uh, the first game that's this being published under it is called The Banished Vault and The Banished Vault is a strategy game uh, about there's like a there's a short like text intro to the game when you boot it up that kind of like tells you the story and one of the first things it mentions is something like the interstellar churches spread throughout the galaxy and as soon as i read the phrase interstellar churches i was like you got me um <laughs> but it, it's a really fascinating game like it has a very kind of board game inspired setup where it's like the goal of the game is essentially like you control this should giant like mothership that's called the vault and from the vault you can send out these other little ships on like kind of exploratory missions the idea is that you're supposed to be like moving into all these different planets setting up factories using those to create these resources that you need to send the citizens of the vault who are all like religious extremist pilgrims into hypersleep which protects them from or it allows them to travel from solar system to solar system to escape this thing called the gloom, which is an as yet completely mysterious thing that is affecting them. They found like in deep space and is like constantly pursuing them. And the way that it works is like you see what looks like a game board essentially, that you have like a like 3D like representation of your vault that is sitting on like flat space. Every solar system you go to will be represented by these like these paths showing like the way to get to different planets. And then you have these other little figurines that represent the smaller ships that you send out. And you send those to these various planets to extract resources and create stasis, which is the thing you need to hibernate uh, as well as like collecting other resources and like to be able to continue this like kind of extractive extractive process. And it's like right at the bat, I knew it was my jam because of that setup, like at that kind of, This weird representation that it uses to like make it look like a game board. When you pull it up, there's not really tutorials. It just gives you like a manual, essentially, that you can click through. Um, I really would love a printed copy of this manual so much. Oh, right. You actually got one, didn't you? You asshole. But it's... uh, Yeah, I I went to reach
1: for it on my my, um, bookshelf behind me. When they sent me a code for it, they were like, we also want to send you a physical copy of the in-game manual um so yeah i have this this physical physical version of the manual Yeah,
0: god it's so nice uh
1: it's just the 1.0 version though which is the thing is that the developer has said like they are constantly Mm -hmm. updating the manual so
0: yeah 1.5 just just came out actually Mm -hmm. um Before I started playing. Yeah, it's a fascinating game. I have gotten to play much of it, but it is a very, like, very slow-paced, like, resource management game. I think the thing that's most striking to me is that kind of, like... The presentation of it as if it were a board game, like even your little characters are represented by these drawings that really remind me of the kind of stuff that you see in like indie tabletop RPGs, these kind Mm -hmm. of like black and white pen drawings. The, The other thing that really jumps out to me is like how hostile this game is. It doesn't explain anything to you. It gives you like no fucking quarter like you can very easily get yourself back into a corner that you just can't come get back from and have to like restart an entire run. There's something that I find really fascinating about that. Uh, so yeah, I haven't got to play too much of it, but so far I'm like really, really into it. It's another one that I might not get too much time to play more of before we have to like write our ballots, but uh, it's one that I will absolutely be going back to when I have the time.
1: It was an instance of a game that I played and I was like, I know for the person I am, this is not the kind of game that I will be playing, but I can recognize how well designed this is mm-hmm. and how good of a like, sim strategy game it is. And yeah. for those people who enjoy this kind of game, this is going to be a very good one.
0: Yes, I, I'm like very confident that it's going to be great when I get to spend more time with it I just like yeah it's just it makes such a great first impression um if you're the kind of person who you know likes that sort of hostile design and and those uh those other things I mentioned but I think it's really really wonderful
1: yeah um back on the triple a spectrum I actually reviewed this game but I haven't had a chance to really talk about it I reviewed Super Mario Bros Wonder uh which is a game that a lot of people liked I liked it too. It was. I did. I liked it too. Okay, <laughs> a game that a lot of people liked, <laughs> including me. I just don't play games like this very often. It's again one of those. I even said <laughs> to you when I was like reviewing it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to review this game because I never play games like this. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, but it was. Uh, it's fun. I think it does a lot of interesting things with the Mario formula. The main thing being the wonder effects, which is essentially within each level there is a wonder seed which when you interact with it it will do some unexpected thing to the level to change it so for example one of the first things that happens is you eat or you interact with a wonder seed and then all the pipes in the level start like moving like they start doing a wave essentially by like moving up and down and -hmm. then there are pipes that turn into, like, inchworms and, like, scrunch up their bodies to create platforms for you to jump on and then they just move and they never stop moving through the level. Uh-huh. There are other ones where, like, a giant snowball will start rolling through the level and there's a great moment where it rolls and rolls and rolls to the end of the level and you think you're going to go to the flag and just, like, end the level and then it just knocks the flagpole over <clears throat> and the level keeps going. Uh, there are... There are musical levels, which are very fun. Uh, it's it's just a very... It's a wonderful game. Ha ha ha. My review was full of puns. <laughs> it was terrible. But uh, it's a Despicable. neat game. It's a neat game, mm-hmm. if you like that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, hearing people talk about it so much does make me want to play it. It's also like not the type of game that I normally play, but it's those aspects like that kind of break the formula in in yeah. fun ways that make me do want to give it a shot.
1: But it's the kind of game that's just like fun to play while you're doing something else. Cause you can just kind of run through levels. Um, <laughs> this is a fun, it's a fun little story. It reminds me of, <laughs> I'm so sorry to my parents who, who helped, you know, put me through college, but Uh-oh. there were times in class in college where I'd be very bored <laughs> and so i would emulate mario on my computer (laughs) (laughs) and i would just be like speed running the first mario game during Uh class because i was bored it's fine i got honors in my degree and then i went to grad school so it all worked out
0: also college is a scam so who cares
1: also college is a scam um but yeah so big fan (laughs) of platforming mario Great. Uh, If you can
0: play Super Mario Wonder in class, please do that. Yeah. If you can find a way.
1: This is girl mode saying, play video games in class. Yeah. (laughs) You've also been playing a Nintendo game? Have I? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Bayonetta? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's on the Switch. I wouldn't call it a Nintendo game. Um, I would. Okay.
1: Bayonetta's Uh, a Nintendo exclusive now. Is it? Yeah.
0: Oh, cool. Um, so I've been playing a little bit of Bayonetta Origins, which takes place before the Bayonetta series, like well before it when like Syriza is a child. Uh yeah, it basically takes place like you are learning to be like you're learning from like your mentor, who's this witch named uh Morgana, who is like lives on the edge of this like forest that's full of fairies that want to eat you. And so she's like, Oh, I never go into the forest, whatever. But you end up going in like without really like having full control of your powers yet. You know, you're like still an apprentice or whatever. But you go in and you're able to like summon a demon that possesses this doll that you have, which is like a stuffed cat doll. And the game is basically like you control Syriza and Cheshire, which is the name of the demon simultaneously. And Cheshire can like attack things with its claws. And Syriza can use magic to do a couple different things, but mostly to like so far at least to like bind enemies so they can't move. You have compared this to Brothers before, uh, which I think is a really great comparison because you are like doing that same thing of like controlling two people at the same time to like solve various puzzles. Again, you know, I've been like playing only a little bit of these games. So what I played was really, really cool. I think the thing that is like the biggest standout for me is the art style. It's really cool. It's all like modeled af- as if it was like a picture book. Like there are, I mean, like actual like sequences that are just rendered as if they are pages of a book but even like the world itself has this very like illustrative style to it yeah i don't know i don't have like a ton to i know you i mean you played the whole game i don't know if you have more to say about it i just it's a really fun little game that i've gotten to play like an hour or so of so far
1: yeah i don't know how too much i want to talk about it like my thoughts because i don't know i might make you play this game a little more sure um but i mean this is a game that I really, really loved when it came out, but it came out in like February. So it was so early into the year Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of forgot about it besides knowing that I liked it when I played it. And then you started playing a little bit of of it and I like went back to read my review and it really reminded me. I was like, oh yeah, this game is like, this game is really neat. It's really cute. (sighs) It has a lot of like fun stuff going on. The art style is gorgeous. Big shout out to the narrator character um because this game is a picture book basically everything in this game besides Syriza is voiced by one voice actor who plays Mm -hmm. the narrator of and basically it's she's she's acting if she's reading the picture book and so she puts on voices and I'm so obsessed with her voice for Cheshire
0: yeah just like growling it's very good
1: so I very much like this game. Uh, it's it's still a game that I, I think stands out as one of my more liked games from this year. Yeah, for sure. There are a couple more that I've played the entirety of that you have just started playing. Chance of Sonar and Cosmic Wheel are honestly games that I think have a very similar problem, which is that the majority of the game is very, very good until around the end. Oh no. <laughs> this is what I've been telling you is I'm mm-hmm. so sad about this. Cosmic wheel is a very good game, but the last like two hours are just are just atrocious. Oh no. They're horrible.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> and then with Chance of sonar the biggest issue with Chance of sonar is there's a stealth mechanic in it that is feels so annoying to deal with when all you want to do is the translation stuff mm-hmm. um and then also you won't know this because you haven't gotten there but like the game kind of wraps up very quickly it's just like yeah you, we just want to be done and i was mm-hmm. like uh that's a little annoying
0: yeah i definitely the the stealth stuff i've gotten to a little bit and it's just feels completely out of place and like unnecessary yeah i don't know uh i really dug what i got to play of it though you know, it's a game that I've enjoyed before when I played demos and now in this. And then, yeah, Cosmic Wheel, I've been having a good time with. Um, I'm still in the part where it's good, I guess. But I've been really enjoying, like, trying to steer things toward the most, like, sort of aggressive outcomes. Like, uh, like you, you know, you play this witch who's been exiled and you you develop this, like, tarot deck that can basically like change the future or the past. And I've been trying to just play her as being, like, very, very angry and jaded about this like idea that she's been exiled and like just trying to basically like do everything she can to get back at the leader of her coven who exiled her and i just got to a point the other night when i was playing that really changed things i guess i feel it's safe to spoil cuz it's early and this game is old but mm-hmm. there's a point where the leader of your coven who exiled you dies and she comes, she actually comes to visit you. There's this thing where, like, you know, because she's a witch, she's like sticks around for a while. And it's like giving you dialogue choices that you can, like, either like press her for more information or just tell her to go fuck herself. And I just kept picking the dialogue options that were like, I hate you. I'm glad you're dead. Same. I don't want anything else from you. But I've made a lot of choices that basically, like, have been directed toward destroying the coven because that was my way of, like, getting back at this coven leader and now she's dead and like my friends are going to be now responsible for like taking over her duties and making things work again but i've already made some choices that basically like guarantee that they will fail and so it is actually really interesting now to deal with like i'm i'm playing this character now who was so full of rage that she could only think about like punishing this one person who wronged her but now those actions have ended up Like they will inevitably hurt my friends now who I was trying to protect at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the, the, you know, the systems in the game that allow you to get outcomes like that, I think are really fascinating. So yeah, so far I'm really enjoying it. I'm hoping that I stay a little higher on it than you did.
1: I mean, I agree. It was, I really liked the ability to play Fortuna kind of as you wanted. Like for me, I kind of played her as someone who went into this contract with this like all powerful behemoth which is like what you do at the beginning of the game, because it's like it's forbidden magic. It's like the most forbidden thing a witch can do. But she's in exile, so she's so tired. She's 200 years into a thousand year exile. Mm -hmm. The way I played her was kind of like she is going to do whatever it takes to try to regain any sense of like sanity. Because like Mm -hmm. I kind of play her as someone who is fully broken because like that's what drew her to like summon this behemoth because she's just I c- I can't deal with this anymore at all costs yeah I w- I want freedom at all costs so that's kind of how I played her I do like the different ways that you can like have your own fortuna uh, it is neat I I also hope you stay high on this game I would love for someone to enjoy where it goes but yeah couldn't be me uh, Zoe was actually the first person out of all of us who played. The cosmic wheel, yeah, and she refused. She refused to finish it for literally like two months because she got to a point where I predict is also where you're going to start hating the game. It's where I started oh, no. hating the game, and she was like, "I know where this go this this game is going, and I don't want to do it because I don't like it. So I'm just not going to finish." A game that I spent a little bit of time playing is On Guard which is this cute little fencing game. The thing that I find so interesting about this game is that it's not really about fencing in the manner of... It's not just, like, you know, attack and parry. It's really about, like, taking advantage of the environment and managing large groups of enemies. Because you start getting all these, of like, things you can do, which I really like, which is... You get attacked by a bunch of enemies and you're in these wide open environments. And it's like you can kick crates at people to kind of stun them so that you can just like attack them really hard. Or you can pick up objects to throw them at enemies. You can also kick them into things in the environment that will fall over. So it's really a game that's much more about managing um, groups that seem overwhelming. And being aware of your environment than it is about just like attacking and parrying. Uh, it's really neat. It's, it's in the vein of games this year that I think have a really nice mechanical center, but don't have too much else going f- for them. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much I'll see them through. It reminds me a bit of how I felt with Viewfinder, which was I played a few hours of Viewfinder and I was like, yeah, this central mechanic is really, really cool. Uh, I don't care about the story, so I kind of, I've gotten the gist of it. I've gotten what I need out of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a, you know, a good roundup of just a bit of what we've started to play. I mean, we're going to yeah. have so many other things. But besides that, if you've had the time, what have you been up to besides playing endless games?
0: Uh, yeah, so I, that's really all I've been doing this week is playing a, just a wild amounts of games <laughs> for for. Game Awards purposes. Uh, but I do just want to quickly shout out um, the Games for Gaza bundle is up on Itch right now. Uh, after as when this episode goes out, you'll have like less than a week left to buy it, but it'll still be available, you know, when it goes up. So this is a bundle of 256 games for a minimum donation of $10. You know, as we always say, we encourage you to donate more if you can. But if that's all you can spare, then that also helps a lot. So just as I've done for Other charity bundles like this in the past, I just want to very quickly shout out a couple of games that like have either caught my eye or that I've played and and are good. Uh, So one in here that I'm really keeping my eye on is a game called Monster Care Squad. This is a tabletop RPG that I think was kickstarted a year or so ago, and it's a game about like you you, like, travel around this, this like, magical world, and there's these monsters that are, like, wounded or, like, sick in some way, and your goal is to, like, find ways to heal them, uh, which is just, like, kind of a cool twist on just, like, the way that these games often operate, where it's about, like, murdering things with impunity. This is about, like, trying to, like, actually help them. Uh, this game, uh, there's, like, a soundtrack that the dev- the designer put together for this game as well that's also part of the bundle. There's a, a couple of, of soundtracks for games in here that I think are, are really cool. Like, it's just a cool thing to see here. Uh, another great one that I want to shout out is Alone on a Journey, which is a, a collection of games by Takuma Okada, which are all based on this, um the same kind of like system. It's like, a, they're a bunch of solo journaling games. Uh, and the system that that Takuma made for, for this game is like, I think one of the best systems that's out there for this type of solo game. And this is just a collection of games that are like built on that same foundation, uh, which is, you know, I just highly recommend it. Um, if you can play either of those games or anything that's built on it, very much worth it. There's a game in here. The, uh, this is a video game called Nuts, which is about like going into the forest and taking pictures, basically. Like it's uh, it, it's you're like a, you know, field recording all of these various different things, but it has a really cool art style. It's like, um, How would I just, it almost looks like an inverse image if you've ever like, you know, just take something into Photoshop and hit invert and it just like inverts all the colors. That's sort of the style of this game. Uh, Songs for the Dust is in here, which is a, it builds itself as a post apocalyptic sci-fi fantasy tabletop RPG about building a better future. Uh, And this is a game that's built on the uh, Forged in the Dark system, which is like probably my favorite tabletop system. Uh, It's Really, like, fantastic art has a very, like, kind of hopeful sort of tone to it. Like, it is, it's very much about, like, sort of fantastical magic and, like, building community in the wake of collapse, which, uh, you know, very fascinating. Uh, There's a game called The Ground Itself, which I think I've probably mentioned in other bundles, but it's a world building game uh, where you, like, revisit the same place over like vast stretches of time to like see how it changes. Uh, It's really fascinating one. And uh, there's a ton of other stuff in here. That's great. But those are just the ones I'm going to shout out for now. Uh, Again, go pick up the bundle. It's great. You'll like almost guaranteed find something you love in here. Oh, I also should say Beam Saber is in here, along with a couple of other games by Austin Ramsey, who is just a fantastic designer. Beam Saber is like a great mech game. uh, But all of the stuff that Austin has worked on that I've played has has been phenomenal, so check out
1: any of those.
0: Um, But yeah, so other than playing one million video games, what have you been up to this week?
1: Nothing, which is why I'm just going to take this opportunity to shout out a game that other people should play, because it was just the one-year anniversary of Signalis coming out, which, as has been (laughs) documented... It is it is pretty fucking good, actually. Um, as has been well documented on this podcast and on inverse.com. I am obsessed with this game. This game uh-huh. is so good. I I have only become more in love with this game in the year that it's come out. Everybody should play it. Go play Signalis. That's all that's that's my thing, really, is everybody yeah. should
0: play Signalis. It's so good that even I finished it. And yeah, I'm exactly. A coward who doesn't play horror games. <laughs>
1: That's because it had lesbians, though.
0: Yeah, that's true. Lesbians cancel out the horror.
1: Yeah. The one thing that could have made Alan Wake 2 better. Ah, oh, damn. Well, maybe. Yeah. you know, so you know, far, we're not that far we don't into know. Yeah. But I think Fingers that's going to be it for us this week. You can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on many socials. We will put our link tree in the show notes that you can find us. You can find me on socials at The Willow Row.
0: And you can find me at Robin Bombus. And you have like two days left when this episode comes out to send us questions via email or co-host, which if we get them, <laughs> we'll read them on our uh, one year anniversary show, which we'll be recording next week.
1: Yeah, I'll also put out a call on like Twitter and Blue Sky and stuff to see if people will send us things. But yeah, it's going to be our one year anniversary episode next week. So yeah, do we'll come mm. back. Anything else? Did we say the email? Yeah, girlmodepod at gmail.com. Nice. Look at us. Professionals. Yeah. One year we did we've been doing it. <laughs>
0: We're babies. But yeah. Until then, take care of your mental health. Mm-hmm. Shit's wild out there, but yeah, just do what you can for each other. And uh we'll see you for our anniversary show next week. Bye. Bye bye.
1: Did you clap? Yes. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't see it. I'm sorry, I don't know. It's a stealth clap. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, it's not my problem, so. No.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, maybe it is your problem if you were still looking directly at me and didn't see me
1: clap. I don't know. Okay. It's bright. It's bright. <clears throat> Light shining right in my face. Yeah.
0: This, half of your head is completely illuminated. <laughs> Are we going to start the show or what?
1: I don't know, Robin. Are we going to start the show? Oh, wait, it's
0: 52. It's not 51. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> God. We're in such good form today.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.